Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Houston, Texas. Welcome to the show, Alan Schnur. Well, thanks for having me, Victor. I'm looking forward to spending some time with you here and uh, sharing my story with everybody. So, Alan, you and I have met this several times. We've spent time together, had dinner together on the Investor Summit at Sea. But for the folks who don't know you as well, why don't you take a minute and give us a little bit of your backstory? Sure, Victor. So, like a lot of the listeners out there, I found myself in corporate America. There was this one day in particular that stands out, September 10th, 2001, I found myself working on the 101st floor of the World Trade Center. Uh, I had the opportunity to take a business trip. And unfortunately, I worked with 40 other guys. And uh, I was the only one that actually walked out of the building that day. And those were the days of the attacks on September 11th, 9-11. I woke up in Portland on a business trip. And uh, that day changed a lot of people's lives and changed my lives. And the company that I worked for lost 700 out of 1,000 people. And I went through a lot of changes, and I also found myself relocating from uh, Hoboken, New Jersey to Houston, uh, helping them rebuild their business. And ultimately, uh, they shut down. I opened up my own business, and I also started to buy real estate, which is what we're about to get into here. Um, Started buying a lot of real estate, actually. I started buying a house a month for 10 years straight while I built a commodity trading firm. And uh, before I knew it, Victor, I had 150 houses and I was enjoying the lifestyle that rental property affords us to have. And I decided to leave the commodity business, spend more time in the housing business, and then went out and picked up uh, over a five-year period, 18 apartment complexes with the power of syndication, uh, 2,000 apartment units, and I had a few hundred houses. I always believe in scale, Victor. I believe if you could do it once, you could do it 10 times. If you could do it 10 times, you could do it 100 times. So I took all the housing and I decided to sell it, focus more on lifestyle and, and more of a spiritual journey and uh, where I can find time and spend time on myself and with my family. So what I really did then, Victor, was I got involved in more commercial real estate, kind of hands-off commercial real estate. I picked up 100,000 square feet of warehouses from Colorado to Arizona. I picked up a few dozen shopping centers where a lot of my passion right now is, and I'd love to talk more about that in a second. And I also like to build spec houses and uh, dabble in lots of other little businesses. Well, I love that. And uh, you know that's such a powerful story. I remember the days of September 11th and the aftermath like it was yesterday. It was such a pivotal moment. Uh, my family's originally from New York City. Okay. And so I know that area very well. You know, my mother was an architect in Manhattan. She was the second woman in in history to graduate in architecture from Cornell University, and she worked on a number of landmark buildings in Manhattan. And you know, still had family in, in New York City, so it was uh, a very jarring moment for everyone, to say the least. And I can just imagine that the impact it would have had on you personally. Yeah, it was it was a devastating moment in my life. It was uh, pivotal. I had to turn things around. Uh, it was also a wake up moment. So, you know, as we all have those moments in life where we just totally get beaten down and almost feel like giving in. And um, I found myself in despair. Uh, I spent a week by myself, pulled myself together, got some help over the following months. 
and decided to stop living a small life. I wanted to play it big and real estate affords us to play it big, uh, scale up. And uh, a motto I created out of that time period in my life was go big, simplify and refine, kind of start mastering what you're good at. And I found myself good at real estate, really enjoy it. And, you know, like I always say, you got to go where your passion is. I love that. So if you fast forward today, you've gone through a different set of asset classes. You were into small houses, little greenhouses. You went into apartment complexes. You're now pretty much out of that. Yeah. And you're focused primarily on shopping centers where you're bucking a trend for a lot of folks. Tell us a bit you know, about that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, um, I like to buy, buy low, sell high, average in, average out. And I really see the opportunity right now with shopping centers. Uh, I find myself buying eight, nine, 10 cap deals with, with major names, major grocers, Ross, TJ Maxx, Starbucks, Subway, doctors, cosmetic dentists, chiropractors, uh, major grocery stores, Wingstop. So I find myself assigning 5, 10, 15-year leases with these companies. Here's the formula. We actually kind of, we call it the Schnur Index in, in the office here. If you can borrow money at, say, 3% and you can buy a nine-cap deal, well, yeah, you know, you have a six-point spread. Currently, we're working on a $16.5 million deal. We're borrowing $10 million from the bank, and we got a six-point spread. I mean, that's $600,000 a year alone on the money, which you know, was definitely one of the bigger benefits in real estate and how, how you know, we can borrow these large amounts of money and take advantage of low rates in the United States right now. That rate arbitrage is very powerful, and it's something that you definitely want to take advantage of when you can. Of course, the big question that a lot of people will be asking is, all right, you can sign a 10-year lease, and you can pat yourself on the back and feel great about it, but will that business still be in that location 10 years from now? We've seen so many retail closures across the United States, close to 10,000 store closures, about 3,500 new stores opened in the past year course, as you know, when you have a vacancy in retail, you're not going to fill it in a month. You're going to be looking for that perfect tenant to fill that perfect spot. So how do you mitigate the risk? I've carried over the same formula that I did in housing and the apartment business. I can't say I was buying a apartment complexes or I mean, I really had a portfolio of $100,000 houses. So I'm in, I find myself in the B and the C class shopping center business right now. And like I just said, Starbucks, TJ Maxx, Ross, I'm with the discounters. I'm kind of going on the dollar rent model here. I'm not building new construction. Uh, currently, I have 150 tenants. And to this day, I can tell you, mm, I lost a Payless shoe two years ago. I lost a Radio Shack. I, I really haven't lost that much. And, and I know those numbers that you just said sound staggering. But I got to tell you, if you really look at those numbers, the majority of those numbers are the same type of retailers. I'm not buying Best Buy. I'm not buying indoor shopping malls. I don't rent out to apparel groups. And those are a lot of, a lot of the larger retailers that have failed. I'm buying grocery stores. I mean, I went to three of my shopping centers yesterday. People are buying everything in these grocery stores right now. They sure I think this could actually be a great example about how retail is not dead, right? I mean, times like this right now, we find ourselves in this worldly situation. People are running out to the store and stocking up. I mean, they're buying everything on the shelves. You don't really hear about they're ordering everything online. I'm sure it's happening, 
but they feel better touching, tasting, going, and carrying it out uh, the day they, they want to purchase it, if you know what I mean. Yes, I mean, that's what we're up against. That's why there's such a great spread, you know, five, six, seven point spread between cap rates and interest rates. Well, we're talking about major names here um, that have proven to do well in bad times and do even better in good times. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been exciting. So, like I said, I have around, uh, well, I didn't say it yet, but uh, my firm, Great Partners, we have around a million square feet uh, spread out amongst really, yeah, that's 12 sizable shopping centers. And these are kind of like your, your mom and pops, the stuff that you go to all the time. I mean, any given day, you can go to one to five different shopping centers. If you're picking up your dry cleaning, if you're going to an ER clinic, if you're grabbing a cup of coffee, if you're stopping off because you want to pick up some cash, um, these are the type of centers that we have where you know, I like car counts of like 50,000 to 150,000 cars a day. Yesterday, I went to one of my shopping centers. One of the anchors is Discount Tire and Highway 59 here in Houston. That has 300,000 cars passing by every day. This particular center is 15 acres on a hard corner on that highway. Um, so it's almost like a covered land play. It's got a grocery store in it. It's got a subway in it. It's got a wing stop in it. It's got a plasma center in it. It's got an Aaron's rent. So kind of like stuff that's been there on average for 15 years. Those are the type of real uh, retail shopping center plays my group likes to purchase. Well, I think that's very smart. And you're right in, in your assertion that a lot of the store closures have been in the apparel business. There's no question the Gap downsizing, uh, Abercrombie & Fitch, uh, Old Navy for sale, all of these different clothing chains uh, shrinking. And of course, the department, to say nothing of the department stores. Right. And certainly the discount segment of the market, I think, is going to continue to be robust. The reason I think online is cannibalizing that business is simply has to do with the cost of retail floor space compared with the cost of warehouse space. You mentioned you've owned some warehouse space. If you can get warehouse space, five, $6 a square foot, uh, and you can stack it, you know, 12 feet high, you can put a lot more product than you can at $65 a square foot in a shopping mall. And now that pays for an awful lot of UPS trucks and still make a, a higher profit margin if you're not paying for all that real estate. You're right. And I got to tell you, I'm not renting out $65 a foot. I'm really, I'm like a dollar a foot or, or the major anchors in these shop, in my shopping centers, they're, they are $6 a foot. They're 50 cents a square foot. So what's kind of interesting, they don't just get to pick up and leave if they want. I mean, because first of all, it's not easy getting a $6 lease, 50 cents a square foot. They're trapped to the, to the demographic, to the population, to the density. They need the area they're in. They don't get to just pick up and move, say, to new construction where it is $30, $40, $50, $65 a square foot, uh, they need to stay in those 50 cent rents. And another thing I really like about the retail business is you get the opportunity to pick up acres and acres of land in the middle of a planned community that's already built out. It's irreplaceable. Also, when it comes to the warehousing, I mean, we call it what? What do we call it? Last mile warehousing or, or last mile delivery. Right, it's a business right. model out there right now. You know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, here we, we use Amazon Prime in my house. My wife uses it all the time. Um, you know, you kind of scratch your head. You're like, how do they do it? How do they have all those products ready to go? Well, it turns out that Amazon 
calls over to local retailers if they don't have it in stock and they pick it up from the local retailer and they deliver it to you. So in a way, wow. they're helping everybody out, right? I didn't know that. Or, or maybe, maybe you take like the Uber Eats model. You know, it's like yesterday we ordered tacos from a taqueria and you know, never, ever, ever would have planned on delivering food. And I didn't have time to go out and get it. So we Uber eat from, you know, we order Uber Eats. So, you know, it's like one hand washes the other. It's possible they can all coexist. But uh, the message I'd like to send to a lot of our listeners today, retail is not dead. It's not. And just take a look at what's happening in the world today. You don't really see everybody rushing online to buy stuff this week. You see them rushing to Sam's Club, Costco, everywhere. The grocery stores here in Houston, they're still a good place for this type of real estate. And if you're looking for a good play, I'll make a prediction right now. It's just a matter of time because I've been doing this for 15 or 20 years. I mean, clearly multifamily houses, you know, a top asset. Warehouse is a top asset right now. Uh, retail is not. It's just a matter of time where someone says, you know what, maybe it's not a bad idea having a 10-year lease with Starbucks, a 10-year lease with Discount Tire, a 10-year lease with your local subway or, or an ER clinic. I can tell you after owning a few thousand apartment units here in Houston, I'd say 50 to 75% of those yearly leases turn every year in an apartment complex. So when leasing could be a problem, I agree, it could be a problem in the retail shopping center business, it's a fact that here in Houston, Texas, that your class B and class C apartment units turn 50 to 75% every year. That's a huge turn rate. There's no question about it. And when one of the things I, when I talk to uh, apartment investors, one of the things they routinely underestimate is the cost of those unit turns. Because by the time sure. you've cleaned an apartment, painted it, replaced a little bit of carpet. On the best day ever, you spent $1,000. So that's one month of rent. I'm at 3000 already. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I had a management company, 225 employees, 7,000 apartment units and 1,000 houses here in Houston. You're really looking at a few thousand dollars for every turn. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm saying, when I said 1000 that's on the best day ever. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's, that's your starting point. So, so that's a month rent, even if you rent it out the next day and you get that unit turned done in a day. If it takes you more than that, now you're looking at two to three months of economic vacancy for every unit turn. Right. So, look, vacancy is a risk in everything we do. What can I say? It's, uh, I'm just looking for, you know, I rent out to discounters. I rent out to doctors, uh, optometrists. You know, we didn't even get into the fact that it's all triple net lease and they pay for the insurance when it goes up. They pay for things when they break and they also pay for the insurance when it goes up and it's more predictable. And I know a lot of people are, you have a high level listener here and a lot of syndicators. And I have found 15 years later that the cash flows are so much more predictable in this triple net leasing business than for me in the apartment business. No, I like the way you've approached this because let's unpack this a little bit. I want to want the listeners to really understand this deeply. You're buying buildings at, I think, far below construction cost, far below replacement cost. You're renting them out at a 
at a monthly rental rate that is hard to beat. So it's not like they're going to go somewhere else and get it cheaper. So if they're going to be in business at all, right. they're going to be in a, in a place just like yours. So your, your downside risk is limited. And so you've, you're limiting your downside risk. You've got good upside and you've, you've bought right. You buy right. And we know that. I mean, buying right is so important. And you, you, are, you hit that nail on the head. I like to buy these assets for half of what they cost to build. These leases, they actually mean something. They stand up in a court of law. And I have rent bumps built into every single lease, one to 3% increases every year. And it's like clockwork. I don't have to remind anybody. The tenants send me those increases. So, you know, if we were worried about inflation, I mean, I've covered the cost of inflation, but if it's a five year lease and it's a 3% raise each year, well, clearly that's 15% on the lease. Five years later, the NOI on the whole entire shopping center, if you just raised your rents 15% over a five-year period, uh, the accumulation is unbelievable. Well, it is because your expenses are covered with a triple net lease, and it's not like your principal and interest payments on the loan are increasing 15% over five years. They remain constant. Right. So you're improving your profit margins year over year. And, 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 and talking about expenses too, I mean, when you're looking at your, your profit and loss statements, when you're in the housing business, there's a lot of lines. I mean, I used to get like 35, 40 pages for every single apartment complex. But when it comes to, oh, I'd say 50 to 75 cents of every dollar that came in in the housing business went out as an expense. And I can tell you, being on the other side right now in the retail business, for every dollar that comes in, 5% might go out in expenses, 95 cents stays in-house. I think it depends a little bit on the asset class. Certainly right, in the right. C-class BC. housing. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. B and C for sure. Yeah, in the B plus and, and the A class, it's a much lower expense ratio. You know, your electricity costs are the same no matter what your rent is. Your your maintenance costs don't vary that much regardless of your rent. So your expense ratios tend to be a lot better in the better properties. And in fact, I would say that the only projects I've lost money on in apartments have been in C-class. <laughs> yeah, they could be tough. I, I agree with you. And, and, I, and that's really all I know. I, I really... I've always found myself in, in mainly C-class housing. Once in a while, I'd reposition a C to a B, but very rarely. I love it. So, you know, I was just uh, in, in some of the closing thoughts here, Victor, I have a book called The Cashflow Mindset, and I have this uh, millionaire, billionaire, zillionaire design for financial freedom. And when I say millionaire, I mean, you know, you got to go out and take action, whatever it's going to be. Um, whatever action is in your life. For me, it was buying that first house because then it went to the apartment buildings and then it went to the warehouses. Uh, then it went to the storage and the shopping centers. So the action is just, you know, you're dead in the water if you don't take action. And then uh, the billionaire portion of, of the formula is systems and scale. If you could do it once, you could do it 10 times. If you could do it 10 times, you could do it 100 times. I'm all about scale and for me, the, the zillionaire aspect of the formula is you got to love what you're doing. Or at this point in my life, and I think I could speak for you at where you are in your life, if you're not in love with what you're doing, it's not worth it, right? Because you're going to leave it sooner or very soon, probably. 
So, you know, when you can find all, all those three cylinders firing together and you got your passion roaring and, and you're excited about what you do and you're waking up and you can't wait to go find the next deal and take action and throw it into your business model and watch it grow, you know, the sky's the limit. I love that. Well, Alan, if folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Uh, two ways. Uh, greatpartners.com, gr8partners.com. You can see the, uh, the retail portfolio, what we like to buy, and we're always syndicating, looking for partners, greatpartners.com. And I have a lot of videos uh, and how-to videos at alanschner.com, A-L-A-N-S-C-H-N-U-R, alanschner.com. And I give away my phone number, 713-503-5908. Send me a text. I'll send you a reply. So I do appreciate the time. I enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, and you're doing a great job, Victor. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Well, for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Alan at alanschnur.com, A-L-A-N-S-C-H-N-U-R.com. And have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.